We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And away we go, episode 129 of the Al Galdi podcast. It is Tuesday, August 24th, 2021. What is the second of three major cutdown days in the NFL in the lead up to the 2021 regular season? Tuesday at 4 p.m. Eastern is the deadline by which each NFL team must cut down to 80 players. Tuesday also is the day after we learned of something truly monumental. Washington football team quarterback Ryan Fitzpatrick got a haircut. Yeah, the man with one of the greatest white guy afros that you'll ever see no longer has an afro. He now has a fade cut. Although he does still have the beard. The beard remains intact. The white guy afro is no more. These are the things that we talk about as we plow through the dog days of the NFL preseason. But hello and welcome to a Tuesday installment of the Al Galdi podcast. The Washington football team did make multiple roster moves on Monday, including releasing Steven Sims Jr. I'm going to dive deep into that next segment. Not so much the decision to release Sims, but the symbolism of the release. The release communicates multiple things that you want to be aware of. Also, regarding the Washington football team, I have for you a discussion about Curtis Samuel. Are you worried? Should you be worried about this guy having barely practiced since being activated from the active, physically unable to perform list now two Sundays ago, August 15th? If you're not worried, I'm not worried. You're not worried, right? Are you worried? That's kind of where we are right now. With this Curtis Samuel situation, we shall explore. Ron Rivera, at his post-practice press conference on Monday, answered a question. It was a good question. The question was, who has impressed him 
over Washington's two preseason games so far. Ron's answer was significant in a variety of ways. We'll get into all of them. We'll also get into the possibility of defensive regression for Washington this coming season. Ron on Monday hit on that. Look, this is a potential thing that you need to be mindful of if you're a Washington football team fan. For all of the optimism with the defense for this coming season, there is the possibility of regression. I'll explain why and how, but also how Washington has perhaps fortified itself against that regression. And I'll talk some college football later in the show. I have received some requests lately to talk college football. I will be talking plenty of college football on this podcast. The season is coming, and the Big Ten on Monday announced something that every Maryland fan needs to know. Rankings update. This podcast, as of Monday night, still top 30 in the country on Apple Podcasts in the U.S. football category. I thank you for that. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com, including if you would like to become a sponsor of the Al Galdi podcast, if you would like the pod that is surging up the rankings to represent your business or practice, if you would like for the power of the pod to work for you to grow your business or practice, especially as football season is upon us, hit us up, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Email from Jerry Moore about the permanent name for the team currently known as the Washington football team, writes Jerry, Al, the more I think about it, the more I like the idea of the team being the Red Hogs would be unique and a great look back to the glory days of the teams of the 1980s and early 1990s and their great offensive lines, the Hogs. Yeah, so Red Hogs, Hogs, those have come up. My only issue with the name Red Hogs or Hogs is that it may be trying too hard to recreate the glory days. I think that there's a lot to be said for letting the glory days be and creating new glory days. And it's notable to me that we keep hearing Jason Wright talk about creating new traditions and rituals. I feel like him saying that subcommunicates a desire to get away from the past. In other words, I'm not sure that Jason would be a big proponent of Red Hogs or Hogs. Not that his opinion should ultimately matter the most. It shouldn't, but we all know that he's playing a big role in the name change. Email from Dave. Absolutely love the show. Thank you, Dave. Especially the fact that it is loaded on my phone, ready to go when I wake up. Yes, Dave, a new episode of this podcast out each weekday, Monday through Friday, unless there is a scheduling adjustment as there was last week, but that's a rarity. Uh, But yes, Monday through Friday, Each weekday, new episode out by 5 a.m. You wake up to it. No other podcast or show like it. Uh, Continues, Dave. However, I did have to chuckle when you mocked the potential one-syllable nickname for the potential Washington Commanders football team name. Does comms sound a little silly? Sure. But come on. You reacted as though the other one-syllable team names in the area are actually good. The Nats are tiny, annoying bugs. When people cheer, let's go whiz, it makes me think everyone is hyping each other up for a group urination trip. And finally, the Capitals nickname isn't too bad, but it makes me wonder why the basketball team had to change from the Bullets if the hockey team was going to remain the Caps. I think all of those one-syllable nicknames speak to the power of people getting used to nicknames over time and eventually embracing them. Well, Dave, there is something to what you're saying about just needing 
to get used to a name. Uh, comms does sound odd to me, though. And I don't think that's just because we're not used to it. Nats and Caps sound more natural. And for the record, the name of DC's NBA team should still be Bullets. The name should have never changed from Bullets. The idea that the name Bullets was offensive or inappropriate is just wrong. Is the name of the NHL's team in Carolina, the Hurricanes, offensive? Hurricanes kill people. Hurricanes cause massive devastation. Why are we honoring hurricanes? Is the name of Major League Soccer's team in San Jose, the Earthquakes, offensive? Earthquakes kill people. Earthquakes cause massive devastation. Why are we honoring earthquakes? The team currently known as the Wizards should still be the Bullets. There's not a doubt in my mind about that. And I say that understanding that DC has seen a major spike in homicides over the last two years. But calling the team the Bullets is not an endorsement of murder. No reasonable person ever took the name that way. Just like no reasonable person takes the name Carolina Hurricanes as an endorsement of the havoc caused by hurricanes, just like no reasonable person takes the name San Jose Earthquakes as an endorsement of the havoc caused by earthquakes. Anyway, uh, email from David Chandler on the permanent name for the team currently known as the Washington football team. Writes David, I have inside track on the new name, the DC Stranglers. It's going to be an MLB style logo of Jonathan Papelbon choking out Bryce Harper. Keep the numbers on the left side of the helmet, though. Uh, yes, thank you, David. One of the greatest post-game interview lines ever uttered. Jason Worth calling Jonathan Papelbon the DC Strangler. You know, the DC Strangler. Yes, thank you, Jason. Say what you want about Jason Worth and, you know, the contract, right? 70 years, $126 million with the Nationals. Uh, Worth was not worth it, no pun intended, but he provided one of the greatest moments in Nats history, right? The Worthquake home run in game four of that 2012 NLDS against the St. Louis Cardinals. And he provided one of the greatest post-game interview lines in D.C. sports history. You know, the D.C. Strangler. You know, the D.C. Strangler. (laughs) Yes, exactly. That is an all-timer. Well, speaking of being worth it, your lawn is worth whatever it takes to look great. You worked hard to get your home. You deserve a nice-looking lawn. A new sponsor of the Al Galdi podcast, Weedman, will care for your lawn so you don't have to. Weedman provides what your lawn needs to look great. Fertilization, weed control, aeration, seeding, as well as a variety of other services. If you don't have the time or the knowledge to make your lawn look great, no worries. Let Weedman take care of your lawn. And I want you to understand something about Weedman. It is a national network of locally owned franchises. So you'll receive the personal service that you deserve. Weedman answers phone calls and emails promptly. Weedman does what it says it's going to do. All that sounds simple, and it is, but it's not nearly as common as it should be. Weedman's products are of the highest quality. Weedman does not cut corners. The best weed controls, state certified seed. Weedman's secret sauce is the fertilizer. All of Weedman's organic based fertilizer applications feature 65% super slow release nitrogen that feed your roots slowly and effectively. There's a science to a great looking lawn. Weedman understands that science. Now, a beautiful spring lawn starts in the fall. And so Weedman 
is offering something special to listeners of the Al Galdi podcast. A fall tune-up at a great price. And aeration and two fall fertilization services for just $209. That price is a steal, and it applies to lawns of up to 6,000 square feet. So here's what you do. Call 571-340-3400. When you call, make sure that you mention the Al Galdi podcast so you get the special deal. Again, an aeration and two fall fertilization services for just $209. That phone number again, 571-340-3400. And make sure that you mention the Al Galdi podcast so you get the special deal. I want you to get that deal. You can also Google Weedman and make a web request. Just make sure that you mention the Al Galdi podcast so you get the deal. Weedman, a great lawn at a great price with great personal service. All righty. So Tuesday at 4 p.m. Eastern is the deadline by which each NFL team must cut down to 80 players. By the way, next Tuesday, August 31st at 4 p.m. Eastern is the deadline by which each NFL team must cut down to 53 players. Yes, the cut down to 53 is approaching. And the Washington football team on Monday released a player, receiver Steven Sims Jr., Now, nobody who has been following the Washington football team is surprised by this. Washington signing Adam Humphreys back in March seemed to suggest that Steven Sims was going to have a tough time making Washington's season opening 53-man roster. But what stands out to me with Washington releasing Steven Sims more than anything is that this now means that three of the four guys who less than two years ago appeared to form a potential core four for Washington's offense now we're gone. We ended the 2019 season thinking that four rookies from that season just might be potential building blocks for Washington. Those four 2019 rookies, Dwayne Haskins, Terry McLaurin, Kelvin Harmon, and Steven Sims. Well, three of the four now are gone. The Washington football team last December 28th released Dwayne via waivers. Washington on August 15th released Harmon. And Washington on Monday released Sims. McLaurin, of course, is awesome, even though this year's worthless NFL Network NFL Top 100 list didn't include him. But the other three guys ended up not even making it to a third season with Washington. Haskins, Harmon, Sims, all gone. That really goes to show you two things. A, things change quickly in the NFL. And B, we were so desperate at the end of that 3-13-2019 season to be optimistic about something that we probably should have been much more skeptical about those four guys forming a potential core four. And I'm saying this to myself as much as anyone because I was excited about what those four guys could be at the end of that 2019 season. I wasn't sure of anything. But that was such a bad year, you wanted something to grab onto in terms of hope, in terms of good vibes. And I felt like those four guys, to varying degrees, provided good vibes as that 2019 season went on. Little did we know. Rod Rivera at his post-practice press conference on Monday on releasing Steven Sims. Well, it's just going forward, we felt it was an opportunity for him to get out there and, 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 and get hooked up with somebody else. Um, and again, it, it's a very good room. And, and we have a lot of guys that we have to see. And you know, one of those things where he might not have had a lot of opportunities here, you know, this week. 
So the Stephen Sims story with Washington, Washington signed him in April 2019 as an undrafted free agent out of Kansas. He, over the last five games of his 2019 rookie season, was productive, 23 receptions for 259 yards and four touchdowns on 40 targets. The four touchdowns came over the final three games of that season. Also, Sims in his 2019 rookie season was number seven among qualified players in the NFL in yards per kickoff return at 25.6. And Sims in that 2019 rookie season had one of Washington's few true offensive highlights. He in Jay Gruden's final game as Washington head coach, the 33-7 loss to the New England Patriots at FedEx Field in week five of the 2019 season, had a spectacular touchdown run, a first quarter, second and eight, 65-yard touchdown run on an under center handoff run on a fly sweep. Sims broke three tackles and are out to the end zone. So Sims in 2019 was a very promising player. Uh, But then came last season, which was a disaster for Steven Sims. Sims in the 2020 regular season missed four games due to a toe injury. Sims in the 2020 regular season over 12 games had just 27 receptions for 265 yards and a touchdown on 37 targets. And Sims in the 2020 regular season was abysmal on punt returns. He averaged just 6.7 yards over 24 punt returns and had way too many fumbles. I mean, the guy could just not consistently catch the football on punts. He was the king of the muff catch, and he nearly had a turnover that could have cost Washington the NFC East title. 2014 win at the Philadelphia Eagles on Sunday Night Football in Week 17 to clinch the NFC East. Fourth quarter, Washington nursing a 2014 lead. Sims had a fourth quarter zero-yard punt return off a muffed catch of a punt for yet another fumble. Sims thankfully recovered the fumble, but he did so at the Washington 25. Imagine if he had not recovered that fumble. Washington might have lost that game even with the Eagles tanking the game by benching Jalen Hurts in favor of the former Washington quarterback, Nate Sudfeld. When it came to Sims in training camp and the preseason this year, he just had not done enough to overcome Washington's newfound depth, or at least apparent depth, at receiver. Sims in the preseason opening 22-13 loss at the New England Patriots on August 12th did have a late fourth quarter 32-yard kickoff return, but he also had a fourth quarter punt return for no gain. Uh, Sims in the 17-13 win with the Cincinnati Bengals at FedEx Field this past Friday night had a bad-looking drop in the fourth quarter. Washington's 10th offensive drive was Kyle Allen's second drive of the game, resulted in a fourth-quarter punt, fourth snap of that drive. Sims a drop in short-arming the football on a Kyle Allen third-and-nine shotgun deep in completion. That was a very bad look. Sims clearly hearing footsteps on that play, and we got the old alligator arms from a guy who needed to make a play in that spot and did not. So no, nobody who has been paying attention is surprised by Washington releasing Steven Sims on Monday. And yes, it is now pretty funny that three of the four 2019 rookies who we thought might form a nice offensive nucleus, a nice core four for Washington, already are gone. But when it comes to Kelvin Harmon and Steven Sims, that does speak to Washington, at least in theory, now being much deeper at receiver. I mean, go back to last season when the likes of Isaiah Wright and Robert Foster got playing time for Washington at receiver. Hopefully it's a new day. Yes, it is for Washington at receiver now with Terry McLaurin and Curtis Samuel 
and Cam Sims, and Adam Humphreys, and Deami Brown, and Antonio Gandy-Golden, and maybe someone else. You know, Ron Rivera keeps praising Dax Milne. Maybe, just maybe, he's going to make Washington's season-opening 53-man roster. And also, to be fair, maybe, just maybe, two years from now, we look back on those names that just took you through and laugh at those names and say, what were we thinking in 2021 that all of a sudden Washington was deep at the receiver position? You just don't know. Uh, Also for Washington on Monday was the team finally activating offensive tackle David Sharp off the reserve COVID-19 list. Man, was he on that for a while. Washington placed Sharp on the reserve COVID-19 list on July 31st, ended up not activating him off that list until Monday, which was August 23rd. I mean, hopefully he's doing all right. He pretty clearly had COVID-19. I mean, I do think it's safe to say that. He would not have stayed on that list for that long as, you know, just a close contact. Ron Rivera at his post-practice press conference on Monday got asked about having to be careful with a bigger player who had COVID-19, i.e. a David Sharp. Some of the smaller guys coming off has not been that big a deal um, in terms of watching them for their conditioning. one of our big guys coming off it, we, you know, we had to bring him along gradually. We had to be careful. We had to be smart about it. Um, and they have to do everything. They've got to do all the imaging and everything. So, it, and that takes time as well. But, you know, you want to be, you want to be safe than, safer than sorry, that's for sure. Yeah, so I had thought entering training camp that David Sharp was likely to make Washington's season opening 53-man roster. Uh, Now I'm not so sure. Uh, He did start two games for Washington last season off Washington, remember, having traded for him. Washington acquired David Sharp via trade with the Las Vegas Raiders last September 1st. Washington got Sharp and a 2021 seventh round draft pick from the Raiders for a 2021 sixth round draft pick. And then Sharp ended up starting two games for Washington in 2020 at right tackle due to left tackle, Cornelius Lucas being inactive for two consecutive games due to an ankle injury. If you remember, Washington shifted Morgan Moses from right tackle to left tackle. Moses started two games at left tackle, and Sharp started two games at right tackle, and those two games did end up being comfortable Washington wins. The 29 victory over the Cincinnati Bengals at FedEx Field in Week 11, and the 41-16 blowout win at the Dallas Cowboys on Thanksgiving. And then Washington re-signed David Sharp this past March. So Ron Rivera and his coaching staff pretty clearly liked David Sharp to some degree, but he obviously has missed a lot of time with his uh, three-and-a-half-week stay on the reserve COVID-19 list. So the Washington football team practiced on Monday. Remember, Monday was the start of a mock regular season week for Washington, Ron Rivera this week is trying to simulate a regular season week, including putting together a legitimate game plan for Washington's preseason finale, which is Saturday evening at 6 against the Baltimore Ravens at FedEx Field. Ron at his post-practice press conference on Monday on this mock regular season week. Well, just the biggest thing more than anything else is is really about us going through the process of what it's going to be like during the regular season. Uh, Everything from the way we're going to meet to the way we walk through to the way we practice uh, then the post-practice lifts and meetings. I mean, it's just to get a sense and feel for that. Um, be very direct with uh, the game planning, uh, getting an understanding feel for how we're going to game plan. Um, and then also for the guys to develop and understand how important it is for them to take advantage of their own time. You know, some of the things that we do in some of our meetings, there's a period where there's a group of guys that aren't involved in special teams that have some downtime. 
what I've told them is I want them to take care of three things, either getting extra treatment, getting their strength conditioning done, or spending some time in the, and watching film. I mean, it's an opportunity to take about 40 minutes to get a little ahead of, uh, get a little bit ahead of, uh, ahead of some things, an opportunity to watch your, 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 your opponent, you know, and, and kind of study what we're going to do. It's about time management now, and that's what we're looking for. Now, Ron, on Monday, when asked about how long starters will play for against the Ravens at FedEx Field on Saturday evening, said that that had not yet been determined. He did, though, address what he's looking for from players fighting for roster spots. Um, I think taking advantage of their opportunities. You know, we'll have some guys that will play an awful lot, and we're going to look for them to, to be put in situations, and, and do they capitalize on those things? Um, how they prepare this week also we'll get an opportunity to really watch to see if, if, if they get it and that's what we're looking for we're looking for guys that are going to take advantage of these opportunities make plays make things happen uh, and handle the situations and opportunities so when it came to Monday's practice as is the case for all of these training camps last preseason practices there is no injury report so it's up to you to figure out who's practicing and who isn't and to what extent those players are practicing and Rod Rivera at these post-practice press conferences only reveals so much. William Jackson III did not appear to practice on Monday. He has been in and out of practice lately due to a leg injury. A Charlie horse, as Ron described it. Uh, both Diami Brown and Cameron Curl did not practice on Monday due to illness. Ron did tell us that. Kalik Hudson did not appear to be practicing on Monday. Samus Reyes and Tameric Hemingway were doing some work at practice on Monday, as each has recently been in concussion protocol. And then there's Curtis Samuel, who on Monday still was not a full participant in practice as the longest ramp up in the history of ramp ups continues. Man, has he been brought along slowly from this groin injury. The Washington football team on July 27th, the first day of Washington training camp, placed Samuel on the active physically unable to perform list due to a groin injury that you may remember kept him from practicing during Washington's mandatory minicamp back in June. Washington on July 29th placed Samuel on the reserve COVID-19 list. Washington on August 9th removed Samuel from the reserve COVID-19 list and placed him back on the active, physically unable to perform list due to that groin injury. And Washington on August 15th activated Samuel from the active, physically unable to perform list. And he still has not fully practiced. His ramp for this ramp up is about as long as 495. Uh, Ron on Monday was asked when Samuel might start doing more in practice. Curtis will continue to do what he's doing. We're ramping him up gradually. Yeah, with uh, gradually being the key word. Ron on Monday was asked about the biggest hurdle for Samuel right now. This is how, it, how it's coming along each day. Um, he had a good couple of days the last two days. Today they increased his workload and we'll see how he is tomorrow morning. Well, we will see if Curtis Samuel finally makes his preseason debut for Washington on Saturday evening against the Ravens at FedEx Field. But him not playing in a game for Washington until week one against the Los Angeles Chargers at FedEx Field is very much a possibility. Look, I'm mocking this whole Curtis Samuel situation just because I think it's kind of funny how long it's taken for him uh, to actually fully practice for Washington. But I'm actually not that concerned, but I say that with a caveat, and it's an important caveat, and that is, if Ron Rivera truly isn't concerned, then I'm not concerned, because it may just be that Washington is purposely slow-walking this, and that Curtis Samuel is just fine, and if there was a meaningful game coming up this weekend, Curtis Samuel could play. The worry I've had, and I know it's a worry that at least some of you have had, is that this groin injury is more severe than we're being told, and if that's the case, then heck yeah, I'm worried, because groin injuries can linger. 
And for a guy like Curtis Samuel, whose game is so predicated on his speed, a lingering groin injury would be a problem for the upcoming season. But the sense that you get, at least on the surface, is that Ron isn't that worried about this. So if that's the truth and he's not, you know, putting on a facade, then I think we're okay here with this Curtis Samuel situation. But yeah, the Curtis Samuel ramp-up of 2021 is already an all-time ramp-up in the history of ramp-ups. Rod on Monday got asked who has impressed him over two preseason games. His answer was notable for a variety of reasons. You'll hear that answer after this. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, we continue the Washington football team conversation right now, and we're going to focus on Washington's defense in this segment off some things that Ron Rivera said at his post-practice press conference on Monday. The most interesting answer that Ron gave on Monday was in response to the question of who has impressed him over two preseason games. Take a listen to Ron's answer. Well, um, uh, number 35 and number 30, 35 on both sides of the ball is flashed for us, to be honest with you. Real happy with that. Um, 18, 84 uh, are guys that have caught our attention. Um, we want to see a little bit more out of uh, 80. You know, unfortunately, him, you know, going into protocol last week, we didn't get a chance to see him this week. We would have loved to have seen him. Because uh, he's done some really good things. Um, several of the offensive linemen. I mean, we got some really good young, talented guys that have, have really played well, um, and, and we want to watch watch them some more. And they'll play a lot. Um, you know, we're looking at the, uh, the the backup depth at at the defensive line. I mean, those guys have got to step up. So we want to watch those guys very closely as well. All right. So I got a kick out of that. Rod, right there, did answer the question of who has impressed him over two preseason games, but he did so via giving the players numbers. Ron spoke in numbers. Do you know who used to do that? You have to be a real sicko to know who, but I'm a sicko, so I know. Joe Barry. Yes, Joe Barry, during his time as Washington defensive coordinator, when asked about opposing players, wouldn't say their names, would only say numbers. It was like his attempt to dehumanize opposing players or something. Come to think of it, maybe that's why Barry's 2016 Washington defense was so terrible. None of Washington's players knew who the opposing players actually were. Anyway, let's go through the numbers that Ron went through. 
So Ron said number 35 on both sides of the ball. That would be Jarrett Patterson on offense and Tory McTire on defense. Well, no surprises there, right? Patterson has been outstanding so far this preseason. McTire started Friday night's preseason win over the Cincinnati Bengals at FedEx Field. Washington did not play its top two corners, William Jackson the third, and Kendall Fuller. Started the game in nickel, and the three starting corners were Benjamin St. Juice, Jimmy Moreland, and Torrey McTire. McTire has a great shot at making Washington's season opening 53-man roster as the team's fifth corner. Although, how about another number that Ron gave in that answer? Number 30. A dirty 30. Do you know who that is? And don't say LaRon Landry. He's long gone. Number 30 now on the Washington football team is Troy Apke. Yes, Troy Apke, the failed free safety. He has made the switch to corner and at least according to Ron, is doing well. In fact, the next question at Ron's post-practice press conference on Monday was about Apke. Might Apke's special teams prowess work in his favor in potentially making Washington season opening 53-man roster? His special team will be a big, big factor, first of all. I mean, he's a, he's a, he's a, a core, an ace. You know, guys like that are hard to find. And then he's got a terrific skill set with his quickness and speed. And as, he, as you watch, especially the last two weeks, you've seen the transition start to take root. You see him starting to make plays. Um, still makes mistakes. You know, he gave up a throw here to Dax down here on the goal line, but then he turns around and makes a great play during the two-minute drill. So you, you see him, things are starting to click and starting to come and be a little bit more natural. It's, 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 it's a work in progress, but, you know, um, with him, with, with guys like him, especially down the line, the, the, the impact you have on special teams is most certainly going to help count into uh, what we're, what we're going to decide. So let's talk Troy Apke. He is not a Ron Rivera guy in that Ron did not acquire Apke for Washington, but Apke is a Ron Rivera guy in that Ron, for whatever reason, seems to really like Apke. The 2021 season would be Apke's age 26 season. Washington took Apke in the fourth round of the 2018 NFL Draft out of Penn State. Apke, in his 2018 rookie season, played in just two regular season games due to a nagging hamstring injury, suffered the injury in a week one win at the Arizona Cardinals, aggravated the injury in practice, aggravated the injury in the win at the New York Giants in week eight, and then was placed on the reserve injured list on October 29th. 2018. Apke in the 2019 regular season played in 15 games, but on just 18.55% of Washington's defensive snaps, although he led Washington in special team snaps at 74.77%. And then came last season. Apke in the 2020 regular season was Washington's starting free safety for each of Washington's first five games. Things did not go well. He barely played on defense for most of the rest of the season, although his special team snaps shot up once he stopped being a defensive starter. But Apke was not good as Washington starting free safety last season. Things got much better once DeShazer Everett and then Jeremy Reeves played free safety. Apke was brutal in Washington's 30-15 loss at the Arizona Cardinals in Week 2. He whiffed on an attempted tackle on Kyler Murray's first and 10 14-yard shotgun touchdown run on the final offensive play of the first quarter. Apke got torched by Cardinals receiver Andy Isabella on a Kyler Murray second quarter, first and 10, 54-yard shotgun play action completion to Isabella. The next game, Washington's 
34-20 loss at the Cleveland Browns in week three. Apke, multiple missed tackles on big runs by running back Nick Chubb. So for most Washington fans, you hear the name Troy Apke and you react in horror. Ron likes Apke. And so Apke is getting another shot with Washington, almost certainly a final shot. And this time as a corner. But to me, if Washington only keeps five corners on the season opening 53-man roster, and I think that's a distinct possibility, and I'm not even considering somebody like Danny Johnson, who maybe makes the team not so much as a corner, but as Washington's primary kickoff returner, Tory McTire, to me, is getting the nod over Troy Apke. Again, Tory McTire started on Friday night, along with Benjamin St. Juice and Jimmy Moreland. As for the other numbers that Ron mentioned in his answer to the question of who has impressed him over two preseason games, Ron said number 18, that's Isaiah Wright. That was interesting. Ron said number 84, that's Dax Milne. Man, Ron does seem to like Dax Milne, has mentioned him multiple times. And Ron said that he wants to see more out of number 80. That's Samus Reyes, who did not play in that preseason win over the Bengals at FedEx Field on Friday night due to being in concussion protocol or at the very least having been in concussion protocol. Another interesting thing that Ron got into at his post-practice press conference on Monday was the idea of Washington's defense being even better in 2021 than the defense was in 2020. Now, I did a deep dive on this topic in episode 119 of the Al Galdi podcast. I believe that Washington's defense is coming season. It could be better than Washington's defense last season and yet still give plenty of stuff up. I believe that something that doesn't get nearly enough attention is the reality of defense in this modern pass-happy NFL. And that reality is truly dominant defense is perhaps no longer possible. You know, the days of having a defense along the lines of the 1985 Chicago Bears, the 2000 Baltimore Ravens, the 2002 Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the 2013 Seattle Seahawks, the 2015 Denver Broncos, those days may be done. I really do think that we need to recalibrate what we consider to be great defense. But Ron on Monday was asked if it's difficult to get a defense or an offense to be great the season after being great. Well, I think the big thing for me and the thing I'm always concerned with is, and, and I told you guys from the beginning, it's about our maturity. You know, at what level are we? You know, we did do some good things last year as a defense, but we, I think we finished number two in total defense. Well, that's great, but that doesn't mean you're going to be number two again. So um, did we mature enough that we're, we're, we understand that and we're going to get back to work? Um, that's, that's the question I'm, I'm trying to get right now. I'm trying to understand as far as our football team is concerned. Uh, and, and, and you don't want to go at this thinking, oh, we've arrived. We, we, you know, we're, we're here. And that, to me, is, is really important. So um, is it hard to get back there? It shouldn't be, in my opinion, if you have the right approach, especially if you've got a lot of the same guys back and you've added on a couple of pieces you feel good about. You, you hope that it, it's, 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 you're building and, and it's trending in the right direction. That, that's what I hope I'm seeing right now. The 2021 Washington football team is actually a great case study when it comes to something that football outsiders came up with years ago. Football outsiders years ago came up with something called the plexiglass principle. The plexiglass principle states that an NFL team that significantly improves in a phase of the game in one season tends to see a decline in that phase the following season basically because significant improvement tends to be a function in part of some luck, not entirely of luck, 
but luck has something to do with it. And sure enough, there was some luck in Washington's drastic defensive improvement last season. Washington lucked out in facing a bunch of bad quarterbacks last season. That's undeniable. Carson Wentz, Andy Dalton, and then Ben DiNucci, Ryan Finley in place of the injured Joe Burrow, Andy Dalton again, Nick Mullins, Nate Sudfeld in place of the benched Jalen Hurts. If you go by Football Outsiders DVOA metric, Washington went from being 27th in the NFL in total defense for the 2019 regular season to second in the NFL in total defense for the 2020 regular season. That's an insane jump, and that's a great jump, and that's a great jump that is a credit to both the talent and the coaching on the Washington football team, but you do have to wonder if there might be some regression this coming season. I mean, you went from 27 to 2 last year. You faced all those bad quarterbacks, especially considering the murderer's row of opposing quarterbacks Washington is set to face in the 2021 regular season. It's okay to wonder if some regression may be happening here, okay? I mean, Washington is set to face Justin Herbert, Josh Allen, Matt Ryan, Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Russell Wilson, Derek Carr, Dak Prescott twice in three weeks in December. Washington's defense could be better this coming season, but give up more stuff this coming season just because of who Washington is facing this coming season. So how do you guard against regression? How do you guard against the plexiglass principle? More from Ron Rivera on Monday. And you'll hear him address Washington's offense as well. If, if you add to the right kind of players, if you've improved at positions, then you would expect that you would improve. I mean, one of the things that we did this offseason with a conscious effort was we were going to improve our team speed. And I believe we've done that. Um, that should give us an opportunity to be better. You know, and, and, and again, the wide receiver position is, is a great example of, of the competition. You know, we've let a couple of guys go already, but you look at the guys and go, man, we still got tough decisions to make. You know, we've got guys that every guy that we have left, we believe can make the roster. So this next week, how we practice, how we play, it's going to be very important for us when it comes to decision time. Yeah, and so with the defense and trying to prevent that regression, trying to prevent falling prey to the plexiglass principle, this is where hopefully the additions slash returns from injury really help Washington. Think William Jackson III. Think Matt Ioannidis, who missed most of last season due to a torn left biceps that was suffered in the 34-20 loss at the Cleveland Browns in Week 3. Think Landon Collins, who, yes, was struggling last season, but who also, yes, has talent and also, yes, has looked good so far this summer and, of course, missed most of last season due to a ruptured Achilles tendon that was suffered in the 25-3 win over the Dallas Cowboys at FedEx Field in Week 7. Think Jamin Davis and think Benjamin St. Juice. I said Benjamin St. Juice. You like it in juice, eh? Yes, I like you, the Jews. So, regarding Landon Collins and Jamin Davis, each guy came up during Ron Rivera's post-practice press conference on Monday. So, with Landon Collins, one of the best defensive highlights for Washington in that preseason win over the Bengals at FedEx Field on Friday night was the Landon Collins play. Bengals' fifth offensive drive resulted in a second quarter three and out. First snap of that drive, Landon Collins came flying in for a great tackle on the former Washington tight end Thaddeus Moss on a Brandon Allen 
first and 10, two-yard under center play action boot completion. A mere two-yard completion, Allen to Moss, thanks to Collins. Landon has had a good summer of not playing well last season and then suffering that ruptured Achilles tendon in week seven. Ron on Monday on Landon. Well, he's done a great job from the beginning. I mean, he really has, and and, and that's just one of many plays that he's made so far. Uh, he's done a nice job in terms of his uh, his return. Um, love the way he's handling things, the way he's um, he's working within the scheme, working with his teammates, developing that rapport that you need, and getting back on the field. He's done a very, very good job with that. You know, something important to remember with Landon Collins is that the 2021 season will only be his age 27 season. He's been in the NFL since 2015, but he was very young for his draft class. He's only going into his age 27 season. So from a numerical standpoint, he's not old. Now, there's mileage on that body, and he's obviously coming off a serious injury in that ruptured Achilles. But it's not like you're dealing with someone who's already well into his 30s. This is a guy who is still, you know, in his 20s and in theory, still in his athletic prime. Of course, he's costly. There's no doubt about that. Collins is going into the third season of a six-year, $84 million contract that Washington signed him to as an unrestricted free agent in March 2019. As for Jamin Davis, so he came up during Ron's post-practice presser on Monday. Something that I talked about on Monday's show, episode 128, was the notion of Jamin perhaps not being a three-down linebacker for Washington right away. We, in that preseason win over the Bengals at FedEx Field on Friday night, saw a good bit of Cole Holcomb and John Bostick as Washington's two linebackers in nickel, as opposed to Jamin and Holcomb. Right on Monday, on what it'll take for Jamin to become the three-down linebacker he was drafted to be. Well, I think one of the biggest things for him right now is just getting used to playing against uh, teams that are, or, that are sometimes under center, sometimes in the gun. For the most part, he, he, you know, he, he came into the league playing against the gun all the time. So now he's got to learn to play when the quarterback's under center. That's a whole different type of reading and understanding your, your, the schemes that you're playing against more so than anything else. You know, he's anxious to try and make as many plays as he can, uh, learning to deal with the quarterback under center and learning to understand your progression in terms of your reads. That's a little bit different for him. Yeah, that's an interesting point about Jamin needing to get used to quarterbacks being under center. That was actually a point that Joe Theismann made during the Washington Football Broadcast Network telecast of the game on Friday night. Gee, I wonder where Joe got that point from. Uh, But most NFL offensive plays are run out of shotgun or the pistol. So if you're not great when a quarterback is under center, that's not that big of a deal. I mean, you want a guy to be good no matter where the quarterback is lined up. But like, for example, Washington quarterbacks in the 2020 regular season for football outsiders were in the shotgun or pistol 77 percent of the time. And that only ranked ninth in the NFL in terms of highest usage of shotgun and pistol. That's the league now, shotgun or pistol. That's what teams are lining up in, in terms of the quarterbacks. So, you know, yes, you want to be adept at handling offensive formations in which the quarterback is under center, but that really is a minority of the time at this point. All right, before we call it a show, I have some college football for you. Yes, college football. It is coming up. Uh, The season actually starts this Saturday, August 28th. Maryland season opener is the following Saturday afternoon, September 4th, home to West Virginia at 3.30. And we on Monday had an announcement very relevant to the Terrapins. The Big Ten, 
on Monday announced the following regarding the conference's policy toward COVID-19-related issues for games in the 2021 season. If one of the Big Ten schools is unable to play in, quote, a conference contest due to COVID-19, that contest shall be declared a forfeit and will not be rescheduled. That contest shall be considered a loss for the team impacted by COVID-19 and a win for its opponent in the conference standings. If both of the two competing teams are unable to participate in a scheduled conference competition due to COVID-19, and as a result, the competition is unable to occur on the calendar day on which it is scheduled, the competition shall be considered a no contest, end quote. So basically, this coming season in the Big Ten for conference games, if you as a team can't play a game because of a COVID-19 situation and your opponent can play that game, you suffer a loss via forfeit. There is no rescheduling of games. And if both teams can't play in a game because of COVID-19 situations, then the game is declared a no contest. Uh, This is a big deal because Maryland had some major COVID-19 problems last season. And who knows what Maryland's COVID-19 situation will be for the upcoming season. I think we're all aware by now that COVID-19 has been a particular problem in terms of spread uh, with the younger generation, certainly not in terms of like severe impact, right? Most younger people do just fine with COVID-19. But if you have spent any time living on a college campus, and I have, I spent four years essentially living at the University of Maryland. Uh, It is a jungle, my friends, okay? It is a jungle, and I was in college 20 years ago. I can only imagine the way things are now with dating apps, okay? I mean, it is a lawless land, all right? You got all kinds of people doing all kinds of things, ingesting all kinds of chemicals. I mean, the idea of uh, social distancing on a college campus, forget about it, man. The idea of not spreading things uh, on college campuses, they have a hard enough time not spreading things that give you a burning sensation when you go number one. You think they're going to have an easy time not spreading COVID-19? Please. All right, please. So it's no wonder that Maryland had some of the COVID-19 problems that the team had last year. Uh, So here's what went down in case you missed it or in case you have forgotten. So Maryland ended up going two and three last season. Yeah, Maryland only ended up playing five games last year. All of the games were conference games. The record was two and three. The final game was a gut-wrenching loss, a 27-24 overtime loss to Rutgers at Capital One Field at Maryland Stadium on December 12th. The Rutgers kicker, Valentino Ambrosio, connected on a 39-yard field goal as time expired in the fourth quarter, and then on a game-winning 42-yard field goal in overtime. Maryland's quarterback, the Alabama transfer, Talia Tungavailoa, did not play due to an undisclosed medical issue that, per Jeff Ehrman of InsideMDSports.com, was a positive COVID-19 test. Also not playing for the Terps in that game due to an undisclosed issue was linebacker Chance Campbell, who per Ehrman was dealing with a positive COVID-19 test. Now, the game had been the Terps' last scheduled game of the 2020 season, but the Maryland football team the next day, December 13th of last year, announced that the Terps would host Michigan State on that next Saturday night, December 19th, 
for what was billed as Big Ten Champions Week, which was the Big Ten adding a ninth week to the conference's season for games beyond the Big Ten Championship game because so many teams had had so many games either postponed or canceled due to COVID-19 that the Big Ten said, hey, let's go ahead and add a week to our season and try to make up some of these games. The Terps, in fact, last November had back-to-back games canceled due to a COVID-19 outbreak for the Terps that included the head coach, Mike Loxley, testing positive for COVID-19. Those back-to-back games were home games against then number three Ohio State and Michigan State. So the Terps are going to play this makeup game against Michigan State on Saturday night, December 19th. And then we got the news last December 17th that that makeup game against Michigan State had been canceled. Why? 15 Maryland student athletes and six Maryland staff members had tested positive for COVID-19 between December 10th and December 16th. So yeah, Maryland's season last year was a mess in terms of COVID-19. Oh, by the way, the Terrapins then opted out of playing in a bowl game, ending the Terrapin season at two and three. Again, I have no idea where Maryland football is at in terms of COVID-19. Have the bulk of players been vaccinated? Don't know. Have the bulk of Maryland's coaches been vaccinated? Don't know. Is the school set up to where it is realistic to think that the spread of COVID-19 is being mitigated, don't know. I mean, whatever you think about whether games should be played with athletes who have tested positive for COVID-19, these are the rules, okay? So we know the rules. And Maryland had a very hard time with COVID-19 last year. And if the Terrapins have another hard time with COVID-19 this coming season, well, you're going to see a whole lot of L's on that Maryland schedule. And maybe we would see those L's anyway. But, you know, this to me is a big season from Mike Loxley. He's going into year three as Terrapins head coach. His first season, 2019, Maryland went three and nine, ended the season on a seven-game losing streak. The Terps that year went one and nine after a two and oh start that was comprised of a 79-0 season opening blowout of Howard in College Park and a 63-20 route of then number 21 Syracuse in College Park. There was a lot of optimism off those first two games, and then came the rest of the season. The Terps in that season finished 1-8 and eight in the Big Ten, got outscored over those eight losses, 369-96. to 96. Then came last season, and it's hard to judge last season, right? But the Terps went 2-3 and three last year. So this is year three from Mike Loxley. By this point now, he's got a good chunk of his guys on the team, The big thing for Maryland, and this is a perpetual thing, is the quarterback situation. You've got to get better quarterback play. It's been forever since Maryland has had true high-level quarterback play. I think Talia Tungavailoa is capable of providing that quarterback play, but it's no guarantee that he's Maryland's starting quarterback for this upcoming season. But none of this is going to matter if the Terps can't control their COVID-19 situation. Again, regardless of how you feel about the virus and whether it should be canceling or even postponing football games, that's not the point. We know the rules. So if you're going to be in a sport with these rules, you understand those rules and you got to figure out a way to navigate those rules. And the Big Ten on Monday made things much tougher for teams uh, should they encounter COVID-19 outbreaks in the 2021 season. Of course, the Big Ten has had quite a ride when it comes to COVID-19. Remember, the Big Ten about a year ago at this time could not make up its mind regarding what it wanted to do about having a college football season. So who knows? (laughs) Maybe what the Big Ten announced on Monday uh, ends up being changed at some point. But for now, if you as a team 
can't play a game because of a COVID-19 situation and your opponent can play that game, the game is not postponed. The game is canceled. You are charged with a forfeit and you are charged with a loss. All right, that will do it for you and me. But just for now, keep the feedback coming. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. On Wednesday's show, episode 130, we'll have plenty to discuss with the Washington football team off the cut down to 80 on Tuesday. Also, the Nationals and Orioles are back in action on Tuesday night. Nats begin a three-game series at the Miami Marlins. The O's begin a three-game series against the Los Angeles Angels at Oriole Park at Camden Yards. Will the Lane Thomas tear continue for the Nats? And will the Orioles 18-game losing streak continue. Oh, by the way, there was another national MLB insider saying his piece on Monday regarding the Orioles and their rebuild and their tank job. And this is so bad for Major League Baseball. Ken Rosenthal of The Athletic penned that column. Uh, Yeah, uh, this off what ESPN MLB insider Buster Olney has been tweeting, shredding the Orioles. Look, nobody's proud of an 18-game losing streak, but as I said on the previous installment of this podcast, Monday show, episode 128, the Orioles are losing with a purpose. And actually, if you look beyond the low-hanging fruit of the 18-game losing streak, the rebuild is working. The Orioles have the number two farm system in baseball for Baseball America, and the O's have the consensus number one prospect in the sport in catcher Adley Rutschman and the consensus number one pitching prospect in the sport in Grayson Rodriguez. But yes, we are three losses away from the O's tying the longest losing streak by an American League team in the modern era, which is since 1900. That losing streak, by the way, is another Orioles losing streak, the 0-21 start to the 1988 season. Good times. Uh, Have a great rest of your Tuesday, and I'll talk to you on Wednesday. You know, the D.C. Strangler.